Death is an obnoxious intruder. Death does not belong. It's unnatural, and it does not fit. Death was not a part of God's original design for this world. And I challenge anyone on that point. If you want to see what God designed, then go to the first and second chapters of the book of Genesis and you'll see it. At the end of God's work, on the sixth day, at the end of his work, God looks back at what he did and he said, it's good and it's very good. And sometimes I don't have as much patience as I should with folks who come to places like this and tell a family, well, this is just all God's purpose, his plan, and his design, this tragedy. God is not the author of tragedies. He's the remedy of tragedies. God did not create a tragic universe. But when Satan entered the garden and our parents decided to become their own bosses and a part of the foul revolt against God, brokenness comes into this universe. So I want to tell Darren and Laura and this precious family from the bottom of my heart, this tragedy is not of your heavenly father's making. He's provided the remedy for it. Many years ago now, I went to the home of Darren and Laura. They had just moved to McClinney, Florida. They would be with us a few short years, but they were wonderful years. At McClinney Church, we called them the cute family. We did. Darren and Laura were cute, and they produced cute children. They're just all cute. I'm not saying the other families at McClinney Church weren't. I'm just saying they stood out. Cute. And the first time I went to their home, this little fella, there was kind of a side room, this little fella comes flying out of the side room and over the top of the couch, and he's wearing a red cape on his back. It was Ethan. And so I knew the cape meant something. I wasn't up on superheroes. I knew the cape meant something, so I asked him. It begged the question. I said, Son, who are you? He said, I'm Superman. I said, I never doubted it for a minute. <laughs> I thought, I felt. You look around this afternoon and you'll see men with ties. Some of us have the privilege. I've got a clip on right here that Alec Cook put on my tie last night. It's a Superman clip. <laughs> Ethan liked Superman. He liked a great champion. He liked a hero. There's something in all of us that resonates in all of us. It's innate in all of us. You think about it. There's something in us that delights in the thought of a hero. That's the reason they've made Google billions off of those Marvel superheroes. It resonates in us. And you know why I think it resonates in us? Because I think intuitively, innately, down inside each one of us, we know that we need a champion. Yeah. We do. 
we desperately needed a champion. And so, out of respect, out of regard to uh, Ethan's love of a hero and a champion, I want to share these verses with you. Paul says this in Hebrews chapter 10, Hebrews chapter 2, verse 10 and verse 15. We're going to put them together. Paul says, for it became him. That means it pleased him, and that is the Father. He's talking about the Father now. It pleased the Father. It became the Father for whom were all things and by whom were all things in bringing many sons unto glory. And this is how he's going to do it. To make the captain, and guess what the word captain means? Champion. Isn't that good? <laughs> the father is going to make the champion of his people adequate to be their champion, perfect to be their champion, through the suffering of that champion. That's amazing, isn't it? Why did he need to suffer? Why was it necessary? You don't think of champions necessarily suffering. Dying, They usually win. They're victorious. They just overwhelm their foes. Christ is going to win through weakness. Isn't that amazing? He said, here's the reason why. He said, for as much as then the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part in the same. That is, he became what we are. The creator became one with the creature mystery of mysteries. That the infinite would take on the garb of the finite. To become our champion, we needed a hero. And so Superman really came 2,000 years ago, born as a little baby. The Holy Spirit had gone to the womb of the Virgin and commanded the womb of the Virgin to manifest a body of flesh, clothe him, and he was born. God came in a body of flesh to be our champion, laid in a manger and wrapped in swaddling clothes. Why was it necessary? That he might, through death, destroy him that had the power of death, which, and that is the devil, and deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Now, a champion is this. When David and Goliath fought, it was, a, it was a fight of champions. That is, that if David wins, this is what champions do. They fight on behalf of others. They fight so that others don't have to fight. Isn't that glorious? So that if David wins, his victory will be imputed to his army. And if Goliath wins, his victory is going to be imputed to his army. So that when by the grace of God, David did triumph over that horrible Philistine giant, the men, the army of Israel who had cowered in their trenches, they got up like a mighty valiant army with a great shout. They chased the Philistines just as if they'd won the battle. Every Sunday... <laughs> At McClinney Church, we show up and give a great shout in our hymn singing, just as if we'd won the battle. As we know, we've triumphed through Christ. 
Well, of course, what is glorious about Jesus Christ is he's our champion. He went to battle against the champion, the ultimate champion of darkness, which is death. And when he went to battle on our behalf, he battles directly with death itself. He comes to fight, to wrestle with death. I've been to hundreds, and I mean hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people who were facing death. And I went to console their hearts with everything God would give me. But some of them that I went to visit with were utterly panicked. It was so heartbreaking, utterly panicked. I visited with many of them now who were utterly panicked. And, and they would tell me, Brother David, I, I have not lived good enough. I'm not ready to die. I haven't lived good enough. I haven't lived a good life. And I look at them and tell them, my hope is not based on the fact that I've lived good enough. I haven't. Amen. You haven't lived good enough. But God laid help on someone that is mighty, that did live good enough. Jesus lived the life you couldn't live. He died the death you couldn't die. So we and Brother Ethan could go to a place that we'd never get on our own. That's the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? what a champion does. Champions are usually angry at their enemies. Jesus was angry at our enemy. I want to prove that. We, we see him as our champion, and I'll share this, and this will be it. I want to share a very stark distinct narrative with you in God's word about Jesus going to the battlefield on our behalf and looking our enemy in the face in his response. Both of these brothers have gone to John chapter 11 and I didn't think ought to be the odd man out. So in, it's unusual, it's unusual, these words. The, the word is used in the 33rd verse of John chapter 11 and the 38th verse of John chapter 11 and in the 33rd verse of John chapter 11, whenever he goes to where Mary is and she is weeping and she's grieving and she's crying, Jesus stands there and as our dear brother has preached to us, the Son of God, the sympathizing Savior, he enters into her grief with her. Jesus has been with you all this week. Everybody else in Irwin County has been, but Jesus has been with you. He went to where Mary was, and the Word of God says that he groaned in his spirit. And I'm going to tell you, for 40 years, I thought that meant that Jesus was very sorrowful. That's not what the Word means. I love this. It's what a champion does. And in verse 38, he goes to the grave of Lazarus. And the Word of God tells us that then he didn't just groan in spirit. He groans within himself. Well, the word groan... Here it means to threaten, to enjoin. What does that mean? I'll tell you what it means. You remember whenever David goes to the battle and all of the uh, army of the, of the Israelites, they're hiding out from the 
uh, great giant Goliath. And David is ashamed of the army of Israel. And he says, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? The living God of Israel will help me. David is threatening to enjoin the champion of the Philistines right there. Now watch this. Jesus is at the grave of Lazarus, and he groans within himself. What has happened? Jesus has come to the battlefield. Death has done its work there. Death has mastery over Lazarus. The enemy of God's people is reigning there. And our champion, our mighty champion, shows up on the battlefield that day. And he walks to the grave of Lazarus. Now listen, I used to coach middle, field, middle school football. I love it. You couldn't pay me to coach high school football. They expect you to win up there. <laughs> but we used to have a little fella. Um, and he was not in the starting 11. I coached defense. He wasn't the starting 11. But he was the first one in. His name was Reese Harvey. I still love Reese Harvey. Hugs my neck every time I see him. He's 30 years old. Reese had a motor that didn't quit running. And so he was going to be the first one in. He was a live wire. He was too small, too slow to play football. But, boy, if you could have put his heart in one of those big bodies, watch out. So I get Reese. I make him stand right next to me. And whenever it was time to some, sub somebody in on uh, defense, he was the first one in. And I would, I'd look at Reese, and I'd say, Reese, son, are you ready? And Reese, this is all he ever told me. This is what he'd do. He'd go, <laughs> Now, I'm telling you, according to God's word, that's what Jesus is doing at the grave of Lazarus. He's looking death in the face, and he's going, You have held my children in bondage long enough. Death, your time is going. It's soon. I'm going to the cross. I'm going to defeat you. The champion has come. And he goes to the cross. And that's how he defeats death. Isaiah says he does it this way. I love this. Isaiah 25, 8. He says there's going to be a great feast. And he says the Lord's people, that we're going to eat great things. We're going to eat fat things. I'm from the south. I love fat things. Amen. I'm working on green things. It says it's going to be a feast of fat things, full of marrow, wine on the leaves, great things for God's people because of the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. But it says of God that he will swallow up death in victory. We eat good things. Jesus goes to the cross and he eats death. Death is on the menu at Calvary. The Son of God goes to the cross and he destroys him, breaks the back of Satan, he that has the power of death, which is the devil. And that's the reason I'm so thankful I'm a minister of the gospel. That's the reason I come to places like this today. Not with myth or fable or folklore, but with the tried and true word of God and tell you what our champion said. He knew that because he was going to eat death at Calvary, destroy it. He could say to Martha, 
he that liveth and believeth in me shall never die. So, I want to tell you, Ethan James, this may come as a shock to some of you, by the virtue of the authority of the word of our champion, Ethan James is not dead. Amen? Ethan James is not dead. Our hearts are broken. Sadness and joy resides in our heart. But only in the heart of a child of God can sadness and joy reside. We're sad because the tender ties of nature hurt so great when they're severed. But joy at knowing, at knowing that for the children of God there is no such thing as death because of our champion. It's not because we've been so good, but it's because he was so good and so glorious. One day, I love to share this, I share it often. One day, you may pick up a newspaper or see on Facebook and read an obituary, and it's going to say that David Crawford has died. And I'm telling you right now, don't you believe a word of it. <laughs> David Crawford's going to be more alive than he ever has been. You all have been so wonderful, so good, so faithful to your Savior over the course of the years. And because of your close proximity to him, he's going to hold you close and tight in a way that folks who have not will never experience the peace, the unbelievable, unspeakable peace that you're going to experience in the days and weeks ahead. It'll be joy mixed with sorrow, but you're going to be in his care and keeping. Our champion does not defeat death at Calvary and then leave us to say, I'll see you in the morning of the resurrection. That champion's going to help you be overconquerors, overcomers and more than conquerors right now as we go forward. Let's bow. Our Heavenly Father, we bow our head and we thank you from the depths of our heart for your precious word. Lord, we would be lost without the glorious promises of our God at times like these. What would we do? What kind of despair? How perplexed would we be, Father, if we didn't have your precious blood-bought, blood-purchased gospel that we can share freely for Christ's sake so that we can tell the world that we're on our journey home. Heaven is our home, and all the demons in hell because of our great champion and his finished work cannot separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. I pray, great God, in the strength of the finished work of the Son of God that you will hold this family close to you. Keep them as the tender apple of your eye. Be the unseen guest at every meal in their home. And as they lay themselves down on their beds at night, an emptiness begins to fill them. May they remember the precious promises that we have because of our great champion. And may they be encouraged to know that for the child of God, that the end of the road is just a bend in the road, and right around the bend is heaven. And Brother Ethan has made it around the bend and he's in glory and he's looking at the glorious face of his champion. Gird our hearts with truth. Bruce Satan and doubts and fears under our feet as we go from this place. 
and we that are here to support the family, may you burden our hearts to remember them, be a blessing in their life, and help them bear their burdens. These favors and blessings we ask in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and for his sake we pray. Amen. Please join us in one more hymn, When I Go Home. <clears throat> do mi so mi do.